Psalm 86 tonight. Psalm 86. Really, time and time again in the book of Psalms, we find the psalmist David engaged in the very activity that we find in the title of this psalm tonight. And really, we have such substance and such simplicity married right there in that little bitty phrase, four words, and the activity... The activity, we're really not going to talk about this per se tonight, but the activity that's mentioned there is one that is so needed, the activity of prayer, but is oftentimes so neglected. Boy, we need to pray, don't we? And as you find David over and over and over and over again, he knows, he knows where to go. When he has a problem, he knows where to go. And he knows that God has the answer. By the, by the way, God always has the answer, doesn't He? If we'll just listen to it. If we'll hear it, and if we'll be not just hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word. He always has the answer. He has the answer. Peter tells us that. He has the answer for every issue. We just have to listen to it. We have to believe it. We have to trust it. Let's read here, if we could, Psalm 86, a prayer of David. Bow down thine ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. This is a king saying that. Man who would have lived in a palace, who would have fared sumptuously, but he understood that he was a needy man. He says, Preserve my soul, for I am holy. O thou my God, save thy servant that trusteth, in thee. By the way, in verse number two, David's not saying I'm perfect. He's saying I, I'm set apart to you. I am consecrated to you. He says, Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Rejoice the soul of thy servant, for unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Notice that. Rejoice the soul of thy servant. Fill it with thy joy. Rejoice the soul of thy servant. For unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Among the gods, little g, there is none like unto thee, O Lord. Neither are there any works like unto thy works. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. And in verse number 10 is where we're going to take our title tonight. David said, For thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. The dear friends tonight, family, Maranatha Baptist Church family, we know that tonight, don't we? 
Thou art God alone. There is no other God. Now we have a lot of other gods, don't we? We make a lot of gods out of different things. But we understand and we have a head knowledge of the truth. Thou art God alone. And that ought to make a difference in our lives. It ought to make a difference in our demeanor. It ought to make a difference in our joy and our countenance. I see Christians sometimes, by the way, I probably do it as well. By the way, I was thinking about it when we were singing just a moment ago. And we're singing about the love of Christ. We're singing about the love of Jesus. Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? And I'm, I'm thinking about it as we're singing. I'm standing over there and, and I don't have a smile on my face. And I'm thinking, well, that, that's not right. Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Isn't the love that Christ has for us? Isn't that something wonderful? And, and in verse number 4, he says, rejoice the soul. David is saying, God, bring that joy into my soul. Rejoice my soul. Rejoice the soul of my servant, or excuse me, of thy servant. For unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Thou art God alone. There is no other God. And by the way, we don't need any other God. He has all the answers. He has all the comfort. He has all the mercy that we need. We just need to trust in Him. I was listening to a preacher yesterday, listening to messages and he was talking about several years ago, his, one of, I think it was his oldest son, but he was young at the time, very young at the time, but his oldest son had, had um, liver cancer. He's probably four or five years old, had liver cancer. and He said they're in the waiting room there, the doctors are doing surgery, they're removing the tumor. And he said, boy, I'm just, I'm just in the, the waiting room there, and boy, my mind is in a million different places. And he said, I had my head down. He said, I was praying. But, he, you know, you know, he said, you know how it is. Boy, your mind's just going in a million different directions. And he said, my brother. He said, my brother started singing hymns. Just one hymn after the other. And he said, before you know it, in that waiting room, he said, we are rejoicing. He said, we don't have, my wife and I, he said, we don't have any idea if our son's going to make it through this surgery. We don't, we don't. Have any idea of the, the prognosis after the surgery? We, we just don't know. You know what was happening in that waiting room? God was rejoicing their hearts. God was filling their hearts, their souls, as the psalmist said in verse number 4, with joy. Why? Because here's a group of individuals that understand and understood that even in the midst of a tough situation, and by the way, a situation no mom and dad wants to have to go through. No mom and dad ever wants to go through that. But in a situation like that, God is filling their soul with joy because He's God alone. And whenever we acknowledge that, and whenever we rest in that, Boy, He fills our heart with joy, doesn't He? I, I want to give us, and we're going to walk through this psalm tonight, I want to give us three truths out of this psalm and hopefully be a help. I know it'll be a help. It's God's Word tonight. On this subject, Thou art God alone. And I'm asking us tonight not to just have a head knowledge of that, but to have a heart knowledge of it tonight before we leave. We know it, but do we live it? When the troubles and the situations come, do we live that? God, you're God alone. 
God, I don't like this situation that's coming to my life. I, uh, you know, honestly, now, now by the way, we think this way because we think naturally many times. If we would think supernaturally, we would think differently. As we spoke about Sunday morning with the potter. If we would think supernaturally, we would say, you know, Lord, I, I know you're going to use this. And I welcome it into my life because you're going to make me stronger. You're going to refine me. You're going to do great works in my life and through me and through the life of my family. You're going to do wonderful things. But so many times we think naturally. We think fleshly. And oh Lord, I wish that hadn't come into my life. Well, it's there. And He's God alone. He can give us the joy that we need. He can answer. David says in verse, uh, which verse is it? Uh, Verse 7. He says, in the day of my trouble I will call upon thee. Why? Why is he calling upon God? Because he knows that God's going to answer. He said, for thou wilt answer me. And so let's look at this psalm tonight if we could. Father, help us and teach us or encourage our hearts tonight. You are God alone We don't have any other gods. I know we make gods, but Father, You are God alone. We can trust You. We can rest in You. We can have the peace that passeth all understanding. Father, You can rejoice our souls. Whether in a good time or a perceived bad situation, Father, You can rejoice our souls. And Father, I pray that you do just that tonight. Teach us, remind us, help us tonight. Father, we ask that you'd help our little ones, our, our kids, our teenagers tonight. Father, they, they, they need you. They, they need, and they know this, but they need to live it out in their lives that you are their God. You are God alone. No one else, nothing else. Not the fads, not the entanglements of this world. No, you are God alone. And so, Father, help them tonight as well. Help our teachers. Help everything that's done on this place tonight to bring honor, to bring glory, to bring thanksgiving and gratefulness to your name tonight. May we do that. May you help us to do it. And we'll surely thank you for it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Number one tonight, let's see this. I want us to see the declaration. Because God was God alone in the life of David, in the psalmist's life. What do we find in this psalm? Number one, we find the declaration of God's authority. We find the declaration of God's authority. God, because you are God alone, you are my only God, you are my authority. We see the declaration of God's authority. I I don't don't want to get bogged down in the minutia tonight, although it's not minutia, it's important. But I want to go through these as quickly as we can so we can pray But number one, the declaration of God's authority. First of all, we see that God is supreme in His position. And we see that all throughout the psalm, all 17 verses. He is supreme in His position. In verse number 8, the psalmist said, Among the gods there is none like unto thee. Neither are there any works like unto thy works. Hey, hey, the, the other gods can try to try to manipulate and copy and duplicate what you do, but but there's nothing that compares to the works that you do. God is supreme in his position. Secondly, God is supreme in his power. Look at verses eight through ten. Again, we read verse eight and verse number nine. It says, All excuse me, all nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. For thou art great. And doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. 
God is supreme in His power. God is supreme in His position. His works are matchless. His worship is mandatory. His wonders are marvelous. God is supreme in His power. And then number three, God is supreme in His personality. In His personality, the declaration of God's authority. He is supreme in His personality. Look at verse number 5. He is a God, first of all, of forgiveness. In verse number 5, David says, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to do what? To forgive. And ready to forgive. Hey, I I want us to think about this tonight as human beings tonight, as, as individuals wrapped in flesh. How quick is God ready to forgive us? We ought to be just as ready to forgive someone else. If our God can be ready to forgive us and ready to forgive, not, well, you know what, if you prove yourself, then maybe I'll forgive you. No, 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 forgive. And ready to forgive. When someone now, by the way, that individual has to come and acknowledge and seek forgiveness. You find that all throughout the scripture. An individual has to come and has to seek for forgiveness. But God said, "Look, I, I, the psalmist says, God, I know you, and you're ready to forgive. You, you are supreme in your personality. You are a God of forgiveness." Husbands and wives, sometimes we, we want to stay mad for a while, don't we? Well, I know I need to forgive. Don't y'all look at me that way. We know we ought to forgive, but you know what? I'm just not ready. I'm just not quite ready to be unmad at you yet. You ever been there? Or am I, or am I on an island all by myself tonight? My wife is saying, you may be on an island all by yourself tonight. And I would say, no, I'm not because I know you. (laughs) He is ready to forgive. But in our flesh sometimes we're like, no, I'm going to hold that over your head. No, I'm going to stay mad just a little bit longer because I have a little nugget that I'm going to hold on to for a while. No, no, no. God said, that's why God is supreme in His personality. He's a God ready to forgive. So first of all, He is a God of forgiveness. Secondly, He's a God of mercifulness. Same verse, for thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of forgiveness. He's a God of mercifulness. He has compassion. He comforts. By the way, we'll get to the rest of the chapter in just a moment, but notice if you would, uh, verse number 15 I tell you what, let's, let's just go ahead and read. The, we read down to verse 10. Let me read the rest of the, the chapter if I could. In verse 11, he says, Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forevermore. For great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. O God, the proud are risen up against me, and the assemblies of violent men have sought after my soul and have not set thee before them. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. 
O turn unto me and have mercy upon me. Give thy strength unto thy servant and save the son of thine handmaid. Show me a token for good that they which hate me may see it and be ashamed. Because thou, Lord, and I love this word here, hast hope in me. It's a good old English word there. We don't use it today. But he says, hast hope in me. What does that mean? It just means he's helped him. He said, hast hope in me and comforted me. He is supreme in his personality. He is a God of forgiveness. He is a God of mercifulness. Thirdly, he is a God of faithfulness. Look at verse number 7 again. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee. Why? For thou wilt. David knew, God, I'm going to call upon you because I know how faithful you are. And I know if I come and I call upon you, I know you're going to answer. He's a God of faithfulness. By the way, not this Sunday, but the following Sunday, we're going to celebrate. And really, it happened back in March. March was really the date. But we're going to acknowledge and recognize it, how faithful God has been to us for 75 years. Now, we haven't always been faithful as a people, as a church, as individuals. But God is always faithful. David said, God, when I'm in trouble and when I have a need, by the way, whether it's self-inflicted, whether it's uh, sovereignly injected, whether it's satanically influenced, no matter the reason for the trouble, I'm going to call upon you. And the Bible says here, for thou wilt answer. He's a God of forgiveness, of mercifulness. He's a God of faithfulness. Fourthly, He's a God of truthfulness. God is supreme in His personality. He is a God of truthfulness. Verses 11 and 15. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Verse 15. Thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in what? Not just in mercy, but in truth. He's a God of truthfulness. And we've said it many, 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 many times recently. And we've asked the question, can God lie? We know the answer. No, He can. He's not a man that He should lie. This book is true. That means I should listen to it. It's true. That means I should listen to every jot and tittle of it. Because it's true. Because it's trustworthy. And then finally, He is a God of forgiveness, of mercifulness. He's a God of faithfulness, of truthfulness. But number five, He's a God of graciousness. Verse number 15. Thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious. And gracious. Thou art God alone, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to declare your authority. You have all authority in my life. No one else has authority. You have all authority in my life. By the way, what do we do? How do we respond? Or how should we respond to authority? Say it again. Okay, you obey it. Respect it. Respectfully, we submit to it. And that's exactly what David is showing us. God, you are God alone. My opinions don't matter. Your word matters. Your truthfulness matters. You are a God full of mercy, but you're also a God full of truth. And because of that, I'm going to declare your authority. Number one, the declaration of His authority. Number two, we see the dependence 
upon God's ability. Number one, we see David's declaration of God's authority. But number two, we see David's dependence upon God's ability because God was God alone in David's life. We see his declaration of God's authority, but secondly, we see his dependence upon God's ability. First of all, David's poverty proved his dependence. Verse number 1, he says, Bow down thine ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. The dependence upon God's ability. Again, David was king. Probably physically, financially, lacked for nothing. Now, we don't know exactly the, the time frame of Psalm 86. You know, there were some times, for example, the time when Absalom rebelled and David left Jerusalem. He was off the throne. But David was king. David had people constantly coming to his aid. David had people constantly bringing things for him and doing things for him. I think of when he left Jerusalem and he fled because of Absalom. I think about the older gentleman, Barzillai. And I, that, that may not be how you pronounce it. That's how I pronounce it. But boy, what an encourager Barzillai was. Barzillai, Barzillai, however you pronounce his name. He came and he met David. He brought him goods. He brought him food. He, he brought him sustenance. And he encouraged him during that time. And David always had individuals like that. This is the king. And he's still acknowledging his need. He's still acknowledging his poverty. God, I need you. And we live in America and we have so much and, and we think sometimes, well, I, I'm, I'm poor, I'm, I'm poverty stricken. And if we would go to a third world country, we would understand differently. We're not poverty stricken, but spiritually we are, aren't we? And we must acknowledge that. And David acknowledges it. Look, in your presence, God, I am poor. First of all, David's poverty proved his dependence. Number two, David's lack of power proved his dependence. Verse number one again, what does he say? Not only does he say, I'm poor, but he says what? I'm needy. His lack of power proved his dependence. And number three, maybe most importantly, his prayers proved his dependence. And that's exactly what he's doing here in Psalm 86. Verse number 16, he says, Oh, turn unto me. Verse number, let me find it real quickly. Verse number 6. He says, Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplications. His prayers proved His dependence. Let me ask all of us tonight, and I'm asking myself this, and I know my answer. Based upon how much time we spend in prayer, what does that reveal and prove about how much we really believe we need God? How needy and poor we really are. We have kids, we have family members, we have church family members who have needs. Spiritual, physical. 
And we have the source to whom we can go and ask for help. How much do we do it? How much do I do it? And I'll admit to you, I don't do it enough. I don't do it enough. And David says, give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplication. His prayers proved his dependence. In verse number 3, he says, be merciful unto me, Lord. Notice this. He says, for I cry unto thee, how often? Daily. For I cry unto thee daily. David's prayers proved his dependence. Number four, David's, again, his proclamations proved his dependence. In verse number two, he says, Preserve my soul, for I am holy. O thou my God, save thy servant. Look what he proclaims in verse number two. What does he proclaim? He He says, I trust in you. He says, O thou my God, save thy servant that trusteth in thee. David's proclamation proved his dependence. In verse number 7 he says, In the day of my trouble I will call upon thee. In verse number 11 he says, Teach me thy way, O Lord. Have you ever asked God to do that? God, teach me. God, I, I don't necessarily... Maybe in your devotions, maybe you're reading through the Scriptures and there's a passage you don't completely, thoroughly understand it. Do you ever say, God, teach me. Holy Spirit, guide me into all truth. Show me the psalmist David. He says, teach me. That's one of his prayers. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. If you'll teach me, I'll walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. He said, God, I want to walk in your truth. Because I want my heart united with your word and your truth to fear your name. His proclamations, his poverty proved his dependence, his lack of power, his prayers, his proclamations proved his dependence. And then number five, his praise proved his dependence. Verses 12 through 15, he said, I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forevermore. For great is thy mercy. And then he begins to speak about that which he praises God for. In verse 12, he said, I will praise thee. Okay, that's good. But what are you going to praise him for? Well, he's going to begin to tell us in verses 13 all the way down through the end of the, the psalm. I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart. And I will glorify thy name forevermore. Anything we have, who we are, is all because of God. Don't We, we can't ever forget that. Listen, who we are. And what we have is because of God Almighty. And we need to have a heart of gratefulness and a heart of praise to Him. Not, well, boy, I've made it and I've done well and I've taken care of my family and, and boy, I've made a lot of money and, and boy, I'm just living comfortably now. No! You know what happens when we start to get that attitude? If we ever get that attitude... Well, boy, everything's just good now. I'm enjoying life. And, and boy, I have what I want. And I, I, I'm, I'm making good money. And, and hmm. You know what? One of the first things that happens is we forget God. And we start to leave the things of God. We start missing church. We start missing activities at church. We start missing our Bible reading. We start missing our prayer time. Why? Because all the praise has been heaped upon myself. Instead of every day waking up and acknowledging God, 
everything I have and who I am and the family that you've blessed me with. It's all because of you. He says, I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart. Not part of it. With all my heart. And I will glorify thy name forevermore. You know, sometimes when you feel like you can't pray your way out of a situation, you know what you do? You praise your way out of a situation. You're a little down in the dumps, a little pity party, and whatever the case may be. And boy, you feel like your prayers. Now, it's just a feeling. In those moments, you still need to pray. But sometimes we feel like those prayers aren't getting above the ceiling, don't we? You know what you need to do? You need to praise. God, thank you for what you've given me. God, thank you for my church family. God, thank you for my family. God, thank you for salvation. God, thank you for daily. Psalm 68 we were in last week. We didn't look at this verse, but in verse number 19, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Selah. Praise. David's praise proved his dependence. Number one. Because God was God alone in David's life, David declares God's authority. David depends upon God's ability. And then thirdly tonight, and we're done, David is delivered from his adversity. Number three, the deliverance from adversity. Look at verse number 13. The servant is rescued. Verses 14 through 17. The scorner is reproved. And verse number 4, the soul is rejoiced. Verse number 13, the servant is rescued. Verses 14 through 17, the scorner is reproved. In verses 4 and 17, specifically verse number 4, the soul is rejoiced. David is delivered from his adversity. Why? Because he acknowledges that God, you are God alone. I tell you what, verse number 4 is a verse worthy of putting to memory. Verse number 4 is a verse worthy of underlining and going back to it in the morning. When you get up in the morning, you get ready to go to work. That's a verse to come back to in the morning. It's a verse to go to at night before you go to bed. He says, rejoice the soul of thy servant. For unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. How's your joy tonight? How's your joy tonight? What did David say? We're not that far from it. Psalm 51. Would you turn back there real quickly? Verse number 12. Psalm 86, David knows where the joy comes from. In Psalm 86, he says, Rejoice the soul of thy servant. Psalm 51, verse number 12, After Bathsheba and after his road to repentance and his road to reconciliation. Psalm 51 and verse number 12, The psalmist David, he says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. By the way, why, why had his joy left for a while? He hadn't lost his salvation. Say that again. Because he was deep in sin. 
great King David. The man after God's own heart. The man of humility. He's living in sin. And unlike other times, this is one of the times that it took David a while. At least we, we know at least several months, probably about nine months. It took him a while before he ever repented. And Nathan had to confront him. And in that time of sin, he hadn't confessed and he hadn't confessed. He hadn't gotten it right with God. His joy was gone. You know, that's what sin does to us. It steals our joy away. Dear friend, tonight, if you know Christ, and I look around tonight, and everybody in here tonight gives a testimony, has testified to me at one time or another that you know Christ. We ought to be the most joyous people upon this planet. That doesn't mean we're not going to have hard times, we're not going to have troubles. We do, we will. But we ought to be the joyous people on this earth. Because we know the God of all joy. And even in the times of trouble, He can rejoice our souls if we will wait and rest and call upon Him and allow Him to rejoice our souls and get our minds off of everything else in this world and trying to run here or there. Here's here's a problem that, that so many Christians have today. When they have trouble coming to their lives, and they have issues coming to their life. Maybe it's a family issue. Maybe, maybe it's a health issue. But they have an issue that comes into their life. They're going to every resource they can go to to find help. And by the way, I'm not saying other resources may not be necessary sometimes. But we run to those resources first instead of running to God. Instead of running to His Word. Instead of allowing Him to fill our souls with rejoicing once again instead of going to Him. David had enemies, didn't he? We don't know what's going on in Psalm 86. He says in verse number 13, or excuse me, verse um, 14, excuse me, in Psalm 86, he said, O God, the proud are risen against me, and the assemblies of violent men have sought after my soul. Maybe Psalm 86 is during the time of Absalom's rebellion. We don't know. He says in the latter part of verse 14, and have not set thee before them. He said, look, they haven't placed you as preeminent in their lives and because of that, they're oppressing me because of that. They're proud. They've been lifted up in their own hearts because they haven't seen you the way I see you. He says, but thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. O turn unto me and have mercy upon me. Give thy strength unto thy servant and save the son of thine handmaid. Thou art God alone. We know that tonight, don't we? We know that. We, we, We hear it. We read it all the time. We know that God is God alone. Let's prove it. David proved it. David proved that God was God alone in his life. He said, God, you're my authority. God, you're my ability. God, you're the one I'm going to run to when I have adversity. 
God, you're the one. There may be other resources that might be able to help me, but God, you're the one that's going to help. I just need to listen to you. I just need to listen to what your word says. Thou art God alone. Amen. Hey, I pray that we'll walk out of here tonight. I pray that we'll wake up in the morning and we'll start our day. God, you are God alone. Everything I do today, you're going to have authority in my life. Everything I think today, everything I say today, you're going to have the authority in my life. Why? Because my heart's going to be united with your truth to fear your name. Thou art God alone. Father, thank you for the time you've given us tonight. Thank you for your word. Father, thank you for these dear folks that have come tonight to worship, to hear, to be reminded, to be helped, to be encouraged, to be challenged. Father, to, to have their kids under the teaching of your word. Father, may you bless them for their efforts tonight. Father, many tonight probably came in uh, straight from work. And they're here because they understand the need for it. Because they love you. Because they want to be under the teaching and preaching of your word. They want your kid, their kids to be under the teaching of your word. Father, bless them. Even tonight for their effort just to get here tonight. Father, would you help us every moment of every day to acknowledge that you are God alone? To acknowledge that we are poor and needy. We have no ability outside of you. You are our ability. Because we have no power. We are powerless. Father, help us. I thank you for what you've reminded us of tonight. Help us as we go to prayer. Pray that as David said, I pray that you'd bow down your ear to us. Hear us and answer us tonight, Lord. And we'll surely thank you for it. Give us safety as we go to our homes. And Lord, we pray all of this in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen.